Hi, this is William Roy. This is Burning Heron. Hello, this is Alendal 4 I'm Chief McLean. Hey, this is Melon Red, and you're listening to the Green Box. Today on the Green Box, we'll be talking about what to do if you get stuck in a game of Delta Green, Delta Green games set during the Vietnam War, and the scenario Last Things Last. We wanted to discuss what you, the player of Delta Green, the role-playing game, should do if you get stuck. Because if you get stuck, it's frustrating for you, and I bet it's also frustrating for the handler. And so here are some ways that you can get out of it. It times five rules. Something, I believe, mechanic that was lifted from Call of Cthulhu, the old idea roll. It's essentially just an N times five. If you're really, really hard up for ideas and your GM is feeling merciful, he can give you a little clue. I don't like that as a mechanic because what happens if, you, if you're if you really stuck and you need the end times five roll and then you fail the roll and then you dick around for another half hour and then the GM's like, okay, make another one. You're basically just rolling to see how much time you waste, which I know that in this in the world of, this, of the game, like in the scenario may have consequences, but in real life is just torture. I think the the, the barrier here is between uh, player knowledge versus character knowledge. I, as a player, might have the idea of what happens. Uh, maybe my character does not, or the other way around. I think it's more likely the other way around. Yeah, it's more likely the other way around. Uh, you know, if I have a, a scientist, I'm not a scientist in real life. I don't know much about science, really, but my character probably would know the solution to this this problem. It's one of the reasons why I think intelligence in Delta Green gets maligned as the least useful primary statistic, and part of it is because so much of intelligence in this game is supposed to be the players knowing what's going on and the players recognizing what's happening. And so on one side, you have that, which is supposed to be the responsibility of the person playing the character. And the other, on the other side, a lot of what intelligence would represent is folded into specific skills that you need to have points in. So intelligence sits in the middle between player knowledge and character knowledge, where it doesn't really have any defined mechanical benefit other than int times five rolls and acquisitions. All right. So, I mean, it's, it's easy to look at your character and say, okay, what would my character know that I don't? Handler, can I make a role on anthropology? Can I make a role on science, physics? That's a, a good way to go. But again, if you fail that, you're about to score one. So something I would suggest is, it's ostensibly you've made this character, you put some thought into it. You've done more than just name your three bonds, Tom, Dick, and Harry. And you've done more than just shunt your horrifying violence, lo- sanity losses onto them. So if you have a bond, if you're playing a cop, one of your bonds is a local sheriff who you've been friends with. Maybe you could call your Bond, who's someone you trust and know, and try to get some insight from there. And that's the way the handler can shunt you some information from a subject matter expert without making it based off of a role. Right. Uh, tap in your Bond. It seems kind of like, uh, I know that's a mechanic that's in uh, Red Markets. In that game, it can be kind of costly in terms of your relationship with that reference or that Bond. Uh, would you portray that the same way? If it's a hard enough thing, would it affect your, your Bond score? I think it would depend on whether you call the guy up and you're like, all right, you can't ask me any questions. What's the best way to get rid of a body? That would, might incur a, a loss. But if you're like, hey, man, I'm just working an investigation. I'm a little stuck. You know, the guy left no prints, no witnesses. I'm trying, you know, what do I do? Oh, why do you check surveillance cameras in the area? Ah, oh, duh. Okay, thanks, man. Like, that's a normal thing you could ask, like, a cop friend. Or, hey, what's the protein chain for enzyme 7 or something? But if you're like... 
quick. How do I split these atoms and, you know, how do I make a bomb not leave a trace? Uh, might cause an issue with your bonds. That's kind of up to the handler, I think. Uh, you could, you know, not to get too heavy into creating a mechanic thing, it could just be a simple charisma times five roll as to whether or not you'd lose a point off a bond when you tap them like that. I'd rather, if the player's going to play it cool and, and do a good job making their, their case, I'd rather reward that than have them make a cool case and then have a shitty roll happen and then have them lose sanity. But I think a roll could work too if they, you know, some players aren't that good or aren't into the role-playing aspect and don't really feel comfortable doing that back-and-forth talking part. So then you could you could distill it down to a roll. It, it could also be a factor of uh, how healthy that bond level is. You know, if I have a, a one-point bond left with my buddy who's a scientist and I reach out to him on this, could this be the thing? You know, I've asked for too much now. Besides the in times five roll, uh, tapping out the bonds, what are some other ways we can move forward when an agent gets stuck? Uh, so um, this is something that I think my, my co-host Melon is going to disagree with, but sometimes uh, just kind of talking it amongst yourselves as players and th- pitching ideas back and forth as a handler kind of sits back can be useful. It can also be a complete waste of time, so be mindful of that. And even as a player, be mindful of, all right, let's just pick a, just make a decision and go. But sometimes you may just want to throw it around the room a little. I think that if there's a decision being debated, that's great, because that means that people have courses of action that they're planning on, and they're not sure which one is the best. I think the problem is when people are going around in circles and there's no decision being made. One of the things is I think if your handler is letting you just kind of simmer, it's likely he thinks that you have enough evidence to solve the puzzle. So run back through your list of clues. Okay, we're in this room. There are no fingerprints. There's a dead body. We checked the body for, wait, we didn't check the body. Bam, there it is. Run through your your notebook, so to speak, together and figure out what you missed or what you need to hit again. That's why it's really important as a player to actually... Uh, keep it a scratch pad near your game station near your, at your beside you at the table to actually keep notes that way you can take a step back and uh, reevaluate everything that you and your fellow agents have collected this also helps the handler i've had this happen before i'm sure i've given you guys this clue it's obvious I and mean, when you run through the list of clues you miss it then i can say hey maybe it was not as obvious and then I can, even if you have to say hey when you search the body i I gave you this handout, but wait, oh, I didn't. You know, like you, so you can you can kind of you can kind of backcheck the handler on whether they're giving you enough clues. It's a great way of identifying areas where you have misinterpreted something that the GM said. Yes, exactly. Because I have that happen all the time. I have people who think that characters that were taken to the hospital are dead, so they go to the morgue, and I ask them why they would do that, and they say that this person is dead, and I can tell them, no, they're alive, and that opens up an entire new avenue of investigation that the players didn't even realize was there. This is good for when you're playtesting scenarios too if if, you, if your players are getting stuck then uh, maybe you as a handler need to sprinkle in a few more clues one thing that is often difficult from both the player perspective and the game design perspective is to tell when people getting stuck is a personal failing on their part or whether it is a flaw in the scenario's design because that is something that that's one of the reasons why I always show people what I've written after I'm after I run the scenario so that they can compare what their experience was with what I had written down and we can figure out together whether it was reasonable to expect that they would discover something. Another thing you can throw out there as a handler is to uh, tell people to look at their skill list and then kind of go down the line and think about how their agent might look at the evidence and the things that they've collected, the clues that they have, through a different perspective. Because your anthropologist is going to look at something differently than your scientist is going to look differently than your fed, right? So, yeah, so and that, that brings us to a point I think we talked about on an older episode. So why don't I just call my case officer? 
the guy who gave me this briefing and be like, hey, agent so-and-so, I'm stuck, help. Well, didn't didn't you guys record a whole bit about not relying on them for that? It really depends on who's running your game, because there are people who are going to get real annoyed real fast that the players keep doing that. But on the other hand, if that's something that the that's demonstrated as an expectation. There's a lot of people who will tell you, like, if you ha- you have to, like, do this over and over again until it sinks into the players, this is the way the world works. But my feeling is that sometimes if the players do something over and over, like they call the handler expecting advice, yeah, you can you can say to them like, that behavior is not acceptable. But sometimes if people are demonstrating that they want a specific thing out of a game, then you denying them that because that's the way the game is supposed to work may not be the best course of action because I'm just thinking of all the cases where people have said, like, I'm trying to run, you know, a serious campaign and my players keep fucking around and I keep killing them, but they keep doing it. And the solution is either have a adult conversation or play a different game. And I'm thinking of the same thing here where you you mentioned in that section that we did about this is that that if that's what the players really want, then there are ways to work it into... Like, you were talking about that stream that you saw of Lover in the Ice? Yeah. What happens in that stream? It's been a while, but I think they rely pretty heavily on case officer feedback. Oh, no, I remember what it was. Uh, this was actually really neat. They ha- in Lover on the Ice, they have to, without too many spoilers, find a green box and find a certain thing in the green box or inventory it, essentially. So they're going back and forth with their case officer via, like, a secure chat program. And they're saying, hey, we just found this. They describe the object. Case officer fires back. Uh, is it is it unloaded? Okay, good. It's fine. Or is it uh, is it leaking? All right, shit. Double bag it, and it's fine. So that was a neat little uh, back and forth with their case officer that made the game interesting. But it was also probably more case officer involvement than most other green games have, for sure. Yeah, the whole idea of the case officer is to distance program from the agents. So I, I did have a player, I ran a game at a local game store, and I had a player who was an experienced player, but not an experienced Delta Green player. And when I said the handler passes you guys all burner phones, he very cleverly, but not meaning so, just said, when should we be calling you? And I was like, don't call me unless everything is done or you're the la- or you're about to eat, eat your own bullet. So I set the tone right in the beginning. You could also pass your phones out and have your case officer say, hey, you know, uh, I have a day job, but if you get, you know, if you get really stuck, you know, this is a priority. I'll see if I can, you know, task some, some, some resources for you or whatever. So you can set the expectation right in the briefing of when it's okay to call the case officer if you are stuck. If your case officer is a veteran of the program, it would be an interesting opportunity if you chose to do so to kind of expose the players to another level of Delta Green. You know, if he makes a reference, oh yeah, I saw this one time on an op back in 97, or something like that. It all depends on what your case officer has seen and what they do. And bear in mind, your case officer might be an anthropologist who just studies books, and when you're like, I need to get rid of 10 bodies, what do I do? They're like, I don't know, please don't call me again. You have the wrong number. Hello? No, my Google business listing is fine. Thank you. Right, so what's some other uh, advice for stuck agents? You know, we talked about re- going over your list of clues, talked about calling for help, you know, phoning a friend. We talked about trying to rely on what your character might know versus what you might know. What other uh, things might we be able to rely on? Petitioning the handler. You know, my guy's an expert on 20th century Russian literature because that's what I chose to roleplay as. Is there anything in my expertise that would give me uh, a different perspective on, on this case? Uh, maybe 20th century Russian literature is a bad uh, example. What if it's like, oh, I'm an infectious disease guy. Uh, I remember one time there was a outbreak of a virus on a World of Warcraft server and the CDC used it as a model for 
uh, how infectious diseases work. With that said, uh, I don't know much about computer science, but in studying that, did I learn anything about computer science that might be relevant in this this particular case? When you when you go through a scenario and your handler asks, "All right, does anyone have anthropology? No. How about history? No. How about archaeology? No." And then the game continues. Are you writing that stuff down? Because if so, then that can be a blueprint for here's what we missed out on. And then from there, you try to phone a friend or you try to to find an NPC that has the skill that you need to resolve the mechanical interaction that allows you to move the plot forward. Goes back to tapping on bonds like Elendil mentioned a little while ago. That's really good because maybe your character could recognize oh, you know, this definitely has something to do with history, but I'm just a simple ATF agent, and I know nothing about history. And then they reach out. That's good. I mean, ATF agents have created fire. That's like the first bit of history in humanity. Uh, yeah, they're all modern-day Prometheus. So another thing, is this is a little bit of uh, a little difficult to talk about because we typically run games on you know Reddit Night at the Opera, typically one-shots over and done in a couple hours, four hours or so. But I think the you know the more traditional gaming table is you know every Friday night at your buddy's house getting together. So this might also be a great place if you're getting towards the end of the scenario and end of the gaming session is to kind of call it when you're all stuck. Then you have a whole week to figure out or plan a little bit. It also means when you have a regular team of agents and you realize over the course of a couple of operations, hey, we're really weak on history, but you're like three deep on on you know gunfighters. Well, maybe one of those gunfighters takes a 9mm retirement plan, and maybe you decide to roll up a history guy because you know your team's a bit weak on that. It's a little more long-term planning on being stuck, but you can kind of plan ahead if you have a longer campaign in like a more uh, traditional setting. That does come down to, uh, I know Will hates this, but I talk about the synergy that you need within a party. Uh, just trying to make sure that your gaps are covered. It's something that... Uh, well, you, you need a DPS, you need a healer, you need right, a tank, yeah. obviously. So you got to have the spread. That's something that like Fall of Delta Green is really good about ensuring that your your characters all have that covered. Well, it's not so much that the game is good about ensuring it, it's that the game straight up tells you. You need to make sure with the points that you have that every, as many abilities as possible are covered. And that's a radically different approach to game design compared to Delta Green, because Delta Green is not necessarily supposed to be a super realistic game, but it is supposed to be a game that is predicated on the idea that you're running a real investigation, whereas Fall of Delta Green is about keep the story moving forward. It's about, it's like Gumshoe, where the idea is that you're given all the clues practically for free that's which is a, a oversimplification and it's your job to interpret them correctly or die no that's that's fair and that's a very valid arrangement i will also say that in delta green the prospect of covering all skills and still having enough points left over for the inevitable mandatory gunfight and things of that nature is a lot more unlikely than in fall delta green because in fall delta green you are practically drowning in surplus points whereas in Delta Green, depending on which background you choose, you might be struggling just to scrape together an agent who can even walk down the street and talk to people. Oh well, sometimes players are incapable of doing that no matter how many skill points they have. Still working on a good name for the reporter. 
Yeah, Brent Trent's a pretty awful name. Yeah, man. no, it's awful. Um, I'd like to generate a whole bunch of names that all work and then just always use a different one, like a la Space Mutiny, Mystery Science Theater, but not those names. So I read a news article recently about this missing Air Force officer who vanished like 35 years ago, and they found him in California. He was working at a classified planning and analysis unit in NATO during the Cold War, like radar surveillance. And he basically withdrew like 30 grand out of his bank after returning from a vacation in Europe, and then just disappeared. And like, if that doesn't scream uh, someone who witnessed an operation or someone who saw something they shouldn't have and is basically just laying low because of the conspiracy, I don't know what does. Yeah, clearly he'd seen too many Miko in flight. Or like, maybe he was one of those folks who got called in to make something happen. Like, he turned off the radio coverage for like 30 minutes while an operation went down. You know, Blue Fly happened, and then uh, he was paid that $30,000 and then told to get the hell out of Dodge. I mean, he crafted a whole new identity for himself, right? I mean, either he was crafted or he was given one by the program, slash Delta Green, slash whatever it is. What got him caught? So, I mean, I don't think he was caught. I think he was a he was a patsy. He knew his time was up, and he just got out of Dodge instead of uh, taking the fall. No, I mean, like, after 35 years, what caused him? Because Majestic stopped sending the checks. <laughs> there we go. I think in reality, there was a... F- one of his fake, his fake identity popped up in a fraud investigation and someone just followed the thread. Just keep tugging the strings, man. Sweater comes undone. I do kind of feel like after 35 years, he's been on the run longer than he's been alive. I feel like like charging him with desertion at this point and like holding him is kind of like, all right, can we just let this go? Like, hey, you don't get any military benefits and we're not going to care that you deserted 40 years ago. Yeah, he won the game of hide and seek. They should just give him those bragging rights. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's kind of a miracle he was caught in that case because it's not like anybody from Blue Fly or Majestic is still alive to remember him. Yeah, maybe the person he was worried about killing him is no longer a threat, so he felt safe to reveal who he was. And I, I do like how an Office of Special Investigations person specifically said there's no indication that he was involved with the Soviet Union or any classified information was leaked. Like, you wouldn't say that. Unless there had been some sort of issue. Unless he'd specifically been looking for it. It wouldn't be like, uh, a sailor was charged DUI yesterday, and he did not murder four hookers. <laughs> if there were not four dead hookers somewhere. Fake news, Brent Trent. I feel like Brent Trent is from the era, the golden era of journalism, where there was no fake news. Oh yeah, no, everything was always truthfully told all the time. Yeah, remember the main. <laughs> I was just about to say, <laughs> Spain absolutely sank the main. Oh, what was the other one? The one of those inciting events for Vietnam. Uh, Golf of Tonkin. Uh, Tonkin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one. Hey, hey, quick segue into why I won't run Vietnam games anymore. I, well, Elinda, why don't you tell us why you won't run Vietnam games anymore? Oh, God. Can we can we do that, Spoother? Wait, were we going to do a whole segment on this at one point? Probably. I mean, I don't know if it was a whole segment, because, Elendil, I've never really understood your reservations about this, because you seem pretty excited about it when you ran the first part. Right. Wasn't that a, a Quezon uh, op, right? Yeah, I ran a... Uh, no, it was... Um... Hui, uh, and I really enjoyed it, and I had two more games planned after it, dealing with kind of the psychological horror of Vietnam and the, the toll it takes on people, and I tried, I was going to try to weave in some themes there. And then I shotgunned Ken Burns' Vietnam War series. Somewhere in the middle of that, I realized that I would just never craft a fictional narrative that was worse than the real narrative, and I could also, at the same time, never do the real narrative justice. So it's like, I just don't know how to do any more Vietnam games in the vein of, like, horror 
What What were some of the things that uh, made you come to that conclusion? Uh, kind of an am- amalgamation of a lot of things, because I don't remember any specifics, but, you know, all of the Agent Orange stuff we did, all of the bombing of civilians and massacring of civilians, all the fighting on both sides, it was just super brutal and pointless for no reason. Like, go take that hill, lose a bunch of Marines, and then leave the hill, and then two days later, go take that hill again, like, for just no reason, and, like, a, a disconnect between command and the actual folks on the ground. And a lot of that felt like stuff I was going to work into a scenario, but, like, well... It's been done in real life, and real life was terrifying, so I don't know if I want to run it anymore. Weren't, like, the uh, misdirected bombing campaigns, isn't that pretty significant in the Delta Green canon? I think so. Yeah, that's, like, the whole reason why uh, Delta Green as an official government-sanctioned operation was ended. Oh, yeah. Well, it's because they, they bombed Cambodia, and they weren't supposed to bomb Cambodia. Well, because they dropped a bunch of Marines to take out one... I think it's, like, a it was a Nyarlathotep worshipping temple, and everybody was slaughtered and got lost in the jungle so the cover-up story is the u.s government has invaded cambodia uh, we still have never gotten uh, the truth of what happened on that thing it's like heavily uh, alluded no at, we have but... it was a delta green it's, it's in fall of delta green oh really yeah the book that you just got today yeah i just got that today so i'm gonna have to read all about it what happened was there was a guy who was like a high-ranking Delta Green man and was, you know, planning all these missions and so on. But he was also just fucking a chocho, and she just kept telling him to do all these strange operations. And finally, she told him to go invade the Temple of Anka in Cambodia. And it got a thousand Marines and a bunch of Delta Green agents killed. And then I think it was, I think it was Adolf Lepus himself who crawled out of the jungle and killed the guy who sent him on the botched operation. To me, like, if you're going to make, make a thing, an exciting event that shuts down the Delta Green program, it needs to be just horrifying. And it also needs to involve a flying polyp, because, like, that's the image from the Vietnam Delta Green is looking at the front of a Huey at a flying polyp. So if you're not going to include that, why uh, are you not going to include I'm going that? to disagree with you that that's what that image is depicting. It's definitely not a flying polyp. Well, no, I think it is a flying polyp, but I don't think that picture is from the Vietnam War, because in... On the facing page of that, there is a present-day aircraft crash investigation sheet, and it says the highest level of injury sustained, fatal. So I don't think that picture is intended to be from the 1970s. I think that picture is intended to be a modern-day image of something bad happening. Uh, well, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna fall back on like this should have been like a massive ten flying polyps, and we should have had to bomb them with a million bo- carpet bombings. It should have been this huge thing, not just like we invaded a temple and a bunch of people died. That's just regular Vietnam. I thought it was because they messed with the sovereignty of uh, Cambodia. I'm going to counter that the reason why it was a bad operation was that the cultists there succeeded in summoning Anka. They succeeded in summoning the Black Buddha. Uh, What happened as a result of that, then? Well, the operation that followed that was supposedly trying to blast people along the Ho Chi Minh Trail, but it was secretly a giant arc light strike against the temple, trying to essentially 80% lethality their way to destroying it. This could just be a case of my expectations being built up over a long period of time, you know, waiting for a follow Delta Green-style answer, and the answer is not living up to my expectations, which is exactly what it is. Well, in fairness, this was also described in the original Splat book for Delta Green. Yeah, it was just a couple sentences there, though, wasn't it? I'm not going to do the thing where we all go and look at each book and cite which pages which, so maybe you're right. I, I just I don't have a very strong uh, recollection of exactly what happened. I was very unfamiliar with it. 
Ellen Dill, can you tell us more about exactly why you don't want to run Vietnam Adventures? Because I feel like this is something that I don't feel when I run these types of games. Because I think that most of the things that I put in Delta Green Adventures are really horrible and bad things that happen to people in real life. So I, mean, I guess part of it is, I, I guess I don't feel the same. I don't have the same concern when, when I do like a modern day operation. I would do a modern day operation involving 9/11 or involving some, you know, the war on drugs, etc. But I feel like there's some almost like a uh, like we did such a shitty job in Vietnam as a country, and we did it wrong by so many people that if I'm going to tell a narrative story in that Vietnam era, I've got to do such a good job with it, and I don't think I can because I can't do a better job than what was already done in reality. That it's not worth doing. I would say the same is true of our modern federal agencies. I can't come up with anything as outrageous and as hilariously evil as the stuff that they get up to. Nothing I put in a Delta Green Adventure will stack up or even possibly compare to the... Waco. Ongo- Not even just Waco, but like the multi-million dollar cigarette smuggling operation that the ATF set up ostensibly as a sting, but in reality to just steal as much money as possible. Oh, if we're talking about the ATF, how about uh, Fast and Furious? How about the just ongoing daily grind of coercing people into making illegal straw purchases and then arresting them for it? Or ICE losing all those children to human traffickers? Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I don't feel the same reverence for a modern-day event that I'm currently living through than I do for a Vietnam War scenario. Are you just desensitized that much, or what? Maybe. Maybe when Ken Burns does, you know, mod- the fall of modern America in a ten-part series, I'll feel differently. But plus, you know, I read there was two really good books I highly recommend. Um, the guy who did Black Hawk Down, Bowden, he did a book on the Battle of Way, and then there was another book on the on Quezon. And I read through both those around the same time, and uh, you know, they pull you and they'd give you, a, you know, they give you five minutes of exposition on this farm boy who was seventeen and joined up early and got his folks permission and like was top of his class in the army. Always wanted to be an, an army guy. You know, he's steps off the plane, he's, you know, spit shine ready to go, and he steps out of his first first APC and gets his head blown off. And you're like, why didn't you tell me all about this person and his son, you know, and his uh, sister and his parents, and then you just, they're just dead. And they really died. And like, I can't, I can't make that happen in Delta Green game. I can't get that kind of emotional punch. Ridlatz did it so much better than I can. How, how do you feel every time I kill one of your characters? I mean, usually just mad at you. Well, there you go. You've, you've, you've replicated, you've replicated the experience. It's a mini tragedy. The knife sinks a little deeper. I think that that's just a matter of like uh, the emotional response that they're looking for when you look at something under a magnifying glass like that. When you view this one specific tragedy, it's intended to make you feel that way emotionally. Oh, and like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like no one should run Vietnam games because it's too reverent. I'm just saying to me, I don't just I do I I had that I wrote I ran Spizzerinkum, really enjoyed it. I had more stuff planned, and I just lost all of that like drive. After learning more about it and, and getting more immersed in it, that, that drive is gone for me, so it's just not going to happen. Well, I think I'll still run some Vietnam games from time to time. I wanted to do one based on the temple raids that the DM government carried out when they were cracking down on people being Buddhists because the DM government was very pro-Catholic. You've, I mean, you've, you've heard about like the self-immolations and stuff of the Buddhists and all the protests, but what the DM government actually did then was they, and this was the thing that basically motivated the United States to support the coup against him, the DM government would send, basically sent the special forces and the and, and Arvin to clean out all the Buddhist temples in pretty much the entire country, at least in the big cities. 
And there's all kinds of stories about monks like jumping across the fence into the U.S. embassy and the soldiers trying to get them out or throwing people out of windows, letting them fall three stories in the courtyard. Yeah, that really does kind of go along with what he was talking about, how that just paints uh, the atrocities in a certain light. Of course, but then the idea is that uh, there, there's all kinds of cool descriptions in this in these uh, stories about the kinds of relics that the that the damn government's uh, soldiers went in and stole from these places. So they, the legend was that the, the heart of the first Buddhist monk to protest the Vietnam War by self-immolation had failed to burn with the rest of his body. And so it had become a greatly revered artifact. All right. So, yeah, so that's, uh, that's why we're on, I don't, don't want to run Vietnam games anymore. What, what else do you want to talk about? So I have a problem. I'm running a Delta Green scenario for some new players. They've blocked off quite a chunk of time, and I was planning on running Last Things Last because I really like it for new players. But I know that I'm going to run through Last Things Last pretty quickly and then have several hours left. So I need to know if there's any advice on what else I can do with that. Well... You said where you all just say no when we stop recording? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Play a different introductory scenario. Play Artifact Zero and they'll never play with you again. That's certainly one option. I do think that I think that Last Things Last does suffer from being short. On the other hand, this may be a good space before we talk about merging with other scenarios and stuff to talk about. Um, well, I think you called it narrative conservation or whatever, which is where you can change the amount of time you devote to certain things in order to emphasize what is and isn't important. Oh, conservation of narrative detail, yeah. And because this is a shorter scenario, it means it's a scenario where it's appropriate to give more time to the mundanities of the investigation. So without needing to add more content necessarily, you can give more attention to smaller things. Because if you've got a scenario that you know is going to you've blocked out for four hours of globetrotting adventure, you don't want to spend a lot of time just getting past the first you know police barricade or whatever. But this is a shorter one that you can really go in depth on the tradecraft stuff or on encounters with the neighbors or the difficulties of getting everyone off work at the same time. Stuff like that. Uh, you made a good point. So these are new players for me for, to the system. So one of the things I want to do in the beginning is pad it out, make sure everybody gets a chance to try a skill roll. Everybody sees how if you already have enough in a skill, you can just get the get the clue, kind of get some of the mechanics down. And, and if they're not getting it, maybe I'll add a few other uh, things here and there. Uh, Ellendale, these new players, have they uh, have they done character generation yet? I was going to give them pre-gens, but did you have a suggestion? Well, only that because Last Things Last is a shorter scenario, in my opinion, it serves rather well as the second half of a session zero, of a session wherein you all do character creation. Talk them through the briefing on the setting. You maybe make some rolls on the initial, the inciting incident table and uh, work out how they how they got tapped by the program to begin with. And then the second half is you run this short little mini scenario. That's a good idea, actually. I didn't think of that. Yeah, I like that. Because, you know, it's maybe worth reminding our listeners that time you spend with your group playing games is not necessarily time you spend rolling dice. That's a great example that suggests how to pad the beginning. Before we talk about how to pad the end or the second scenario, we might want to tack onto this. Uh, any advice for just running this scenario in general? I mean, I hesitate to say fixes because it's a, I think it's a well-written scenario. I think we've all found in running it that there are some tweaks we may have made or tweaks we can make. Any advice uh, on there? 
It is a pretty tight scenario. That's that's absolutely true. One thing I've noted is that what's her name, Marlene, in the septic tank. Yeah, Marlene. The thing that which was Marlene. That's a thing that doesn't work on anybody who is remotely genre savvy in any way. Nobody I've ever seen who ran, ran the scenario who had ever seen a horror movie before ever did anything except ignore the the yelling from the tank and immediately set on fire. So I I got around that in two ways last time I ran this. One, I made if you're playing with people who are really genre savvy, then you can jump into a more difficult starter scenario because if they already understand mythos and horror and, and that kind of stuff, then start with maybe something else. But if they're new to those, if they've all they've done is like play D and D and and Pathfinder, this can be a good way to say, okay, you're no longer axe wielding dungeon crawlers this is different here's why but what i did i had one character who was really savvy and he was very shady he was very he was being really cagey his character was a um was a cia interrogator and i had marlene offer him the top like 10 people in isis because the marlene creature knows things so i just gave him such a big carrot that he had to listen to it and in his head he's like man this thing is probably evil but like which is more evil and he's like if i could stop isis think of all the good i could do and then the other characters were like what are you talking about kill this thing why are you listening to it and he's like but think about it guys isis is really bad so if someone's genre savvy give them a carrot too big for their character to refuse it doesn't have doesn't have to be something you know big it could be hey i know where your missing daughter is or hey i know who actually who was driving that car that killed your wife you just need something to twist the knife and you only need to twist on one player character and then you've got them in that what do we do now in my experience running it the decision that is like whether or not they want to open up the tank or not that is most of the time spent playing this scenario because uh, all you need is one person who wants to open it and everyone else trying to explain to them why that is such a bad idea until minds start to change and finally they they open it and that's where as a as a handler you can really kind of rile the group up so if you have one person saying an open you're like okay you walk towards the tank and i was like no 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 don't do that all right give me a roll to uh to open it roll strength you know oh my god don't do it and they're trying to stop him you just kind of just let them yell and get riled up about it because you want to you want a tense confusing scenario you know Another thing you can do is just try to uh, know your players, appeal to the most empathetic player in your group, and just have, you know, Marlene sobs, Marlene calling Clyde a monster, those sort of things. Another thing is that you can't see into the septic tank, so you don't know what's in there. Just that it has no way of acquiring food or water. Yeah, although there's an excuse given there that... But what, what, what's her name? Marlene says to you, the player, uh, I'm alive in this septic tank because the evil wizard who was my husband, or just, I don't even I don't remember if she acknowledges him as, as her, her spouse, used, used his evil wizardry to make me his immortal sex slave, essentially, and keep me in this, basically the wizard equivalent of a, a shipping container. Just have a security camera inside of the septic tank so that, uh, like with night vision on it, so that they can see that it just looks like a, a crying woman in there. And this, what is the solution that this that this helps us with? Well, uh, my problem with it is that nobody can actually see into the tank, so they don't really know what's in there until they open it. So if you give them more of uh, a thing to be curious about, maybe they'll open it. Or uh, if not a security camera, uh, have you guys seen Lost? Like the hatch on Lost has that like really really thick window. Well, anyways, a really, really thick window that you could kind of see through, but it would be distorted slightly. That would also add to the, like, okay, there's a septic tank here, but it's got a window in it. That's weird. Why? You know what I mean? And I think, you know, the, the scenario does a self-disservice because they describe some of the different physical characteristics of Marlene, but most players never see it. Like how her legs are all weird because he's been, like, laying in the water. So you could have, so if you have someone who's a doctor, he could be like, hey, that's not normal. 
or that's abnormal or hey that actually looks like what it would look like if you were immersed in water and the camera could be like crappy could could futz out here and there so you don't get a 100% good luck but you're right that could add some some doubt into things again all you gotta do is twist that doubt knife see i i do something that's pretty bad i lie to my players wait wait why is that bad i, I mean you know there, we talk about the social contract you have between your uh, players and and you I throw out the fact that she acknowledges that she's a immortal, uh, undead monster in the tank. And I have her frame Clyde as a monster every time. Uh, he locked me in here. How long have you been down there? Oh, uh, about three days. Because, like, Marlene knows things, so she knows that Clyde's dead, right? Well, that's not lying to your players. That's having an NPC lie to your players. That's a big difference. Yeah, lying to your players is a discussion we can have when we, when we talk about Carcosa in a later segment. Oh, uh, gaslighting. That's going to be really fun. Oh, uh, I've got one thing before we talk about mixing and matching your shotgun scenarios here. That is to know what operations you want to run after Last Things Last. That way you can seed those scenarios within the footlocker at Clyde's cabin. Yeah, I think one of the one of the key things with Last Things Last is that nothing in the footlocker, it's all just spoopy mythos stuff. None of it has any tie into the, or I don't think any of it has any tie to the actual scenario. So you can throw all that out or keep it all or add your own without having any, you know, larger issues. So definitely recommend using that to seed another scenario. It's particularly funny if you have a group of players that are, uh, way too eager to draw connections and way too used to playing CRPGs. Oh, for sure. Because the last time I read, I ran this, they found like the book about Sky Devils. And I'm like, oh, Mar- Marlene must be a Sky Devil. Yes, the Sky Devil in the Septic Tank. Yeah, yes. exactly. Oh, yeah, my last player latched onto that. The Sky Devil in the Septic Tank is the name of my shotgun scenario for this year, by the way. <laughs> nice. A uh, suggestion I'd have is if there's not a lot of combat that takes place in Last Things Last, you can throw an item in there that hints to Clyde's involvement in Vietnam, and then you can either play a uh, Fall of Delta Green game where Clyde is in it, or just a regular Delta Green game where Clyde is in it. A little prequel or flashback, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, just seed some other things in the the box about uh, an investigation you want to run next. I'm not sure which ones would be good to follow up on there, because... A good bit of Delta Green scenarios are, oh shit, there's an emergency in our lap and we need to handle it right now. So there's not like that many that are published that start off, you know, hey, we should look into this thing and then you can build an investigation. But I'm sure there are some. So we've got ways to make the decision more interesting. We have a we have mentioned several times that we might talk about scenarios that you can bolt on. Yes, I'm going to steal liberally from a friend and Delta Green colleague, uh, Ken Scroggins a.k.a. the man in black. So he lays out a really in-depth way to tie last things last to a shotgun scenario called metamorphosis. And I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it and we'll put the whole description in the show notes. But I really like it because it allows you, rather than just having like, here's a clue, investigate this clue, here's another scenario not connected, it ties it together. So real quick, the basic, uh, I guess spoilers for metamorphosis. The basic plot of metamorphosis is that this cell called O-cell has found something bad and it's caused some internal strife and you have to go clean up, kind of take care of the cell. So it's another clean up the mess operation. What you do is you tie Bauman into O-cell, make him one of the O agents. Um, he retires before the scenario. You get called in to clean up Bauman's death. In doing so, you're asked by Control or A-cell or whatever to drop off the materials at a green box. When you get there, you find out the green box has been raided, and that, that's what starts metamorphosis. One of the really cool things he does is, is give your agents a bond with Bauman. If they project onto it, give them like a flashback on Bauman, which can give you some backstory and last things last, or tie the two scenarios together more tightly. 
Well, why would they... I mean, can they project onto that bond with Clyde, even though he's dead? I think you could allow them to project through a flashback, yeah. Well, they could, but that would require new players being familiar with how and when you should project on the bonds, which they may not be for the first scenario. Well, that's part of, but that's part of learning it, and you could do it in such a way to like use one of their kind of non-bonds and also give them a cool flashback thing. Uh, the thing about going from last things last to metamorphosis is kind of like you go from one moral quandary to another. Should I let Marlene out of the tank? And then what do I do about the pregnant O-Cell member? Because she's pregnant with, like, at, like, Nacha's child or something like that, if I recall metamorphosis correctly. Yeah, I think that scenarios where the moral dilemma is you gotta kill someone that you don't want to kill, I think it's inappropriate to characterize those as moral dilemmas because there's no element of choice. I mean, sure there is. You could let them live, right? The solution is kill everyone and break everything, just like it is in every other Delta Green mission. Well, I guess then uh, it's just about whether you want to jump the gun. It's the same idea of in like a zombie movie where uh, someone gets bit and it's someone that the group likes and you run into the thing, well, hey, maybe he'll get better and he doesn't and then he turns into a zombie and he's inside the walls so now everybody else is kind of dead. I guess it would be another case of something that you can pull on people who aren't super familiar with the genre. So I think tying into Metamorphosis works because they are similar. And you're basically just making one scenario into a longer one where you have similar but different moral quandaries. Uh, so you can kind of let the players deal with one and they deal with another. And it, it's not a huge leap to go forward. But that's Melon makes a very reasonable point that you're playing this kind of similar scenario twice. So one of the things I thought about doing was seeding uh, my shotgun scenario Stop Repo with it by including one of the items in the Bowman's green box that ties into the mobile green boxes of Stop Repo. And then when the players, you know, inventory to control, they're like, those should not be out there. You need to investigate why these are getting out. And then you roll into that one. Because Stop Repo is another short one. Pretty, you know, it's pretty easy to tie together. And I think one of the benefits to Delta Green as a system, you can just say the sense of urgency and have the cowboy show up. And most players, as long as it's not too ridiculous, are just going to assume that either there's a clue they missed or it all makes sense behind the curtain. Let's deal with the problem now. It's interesting that you uh, you suggest bringing in some more cowboys. Uh, that was one of the suggestions that from the Discord channel Will Zuma submitted to us. Um, anyways, he suggests throwing in the rival organization if your program, throw in some cowboys if your cowboys, throw in some program. And that's, that's something you could do to just about any scenario, but uh, Last Things Last in particular, because it's going to sow the seeds of mistrust within your players. You know, uh, that angle of paranoia that comes from, uh, should I trust this person? They're like me, but I'm not sure if they're actually like who I am, which is really good for people who are unfamiliar with the setting. And I also think it's another way you can spice up last things last a little bit. If you have, say you have one experienced player, or say you have one player who you know well enough and you know they can do this, is give them a secondary objective of, all right, you need to clean this place up, but if you find any books on Sky Devils, you need to make sure they get destroyed. So then his goal is not to bring these to the green box. His goal is to destroy that Sky Devil book. And who cares why? It'll just create some more tension between the players. I would caution, only do that if you have a player who can handle that kind of secret objective. Not all players can. Something you might want to do is when the uh, players go to drop things off in the green box, have them waylaid in some way. And this could even be a mundane 
stopped car on the road or somebody needs assistance and it's totally mundane with the players at that point will probably be hyper aware or you know have them be the victim of a mugging or something they're going into some you know dark alley area where there are a bunch of storage units maybe there's somebody there trying to score a buck for some meth or something but they'll think it's some like ah oh, it's the program it's the cowboys this is insane like you know let's go all out and all of a sudden they realize they have to cover this up or something and then they have the problem of, okay, so they gun these guys down in a hail of gunfire, right? So maybe they handled Marlene with aplomb and they did it all quietly and good job. Now they gun down three just random, you know, not innocent, but robbers with fully automatic weapons that they've gotten somewhere. Like, now they have to cover this up. And if the police show up, they're going to start asking questions about some of these odd items in their trunk. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, or it could just be that they uh, get in trouble from a uh, in-house bureaucratic way you know uh you had your service weapon here what are you doing are you on an assignment out here i like that we just accept and i agree with this we accept just apropos of nothing that there's no way that the muggers could actually threaten the players because the average group of delta green players has four guys who have at least a 50 percent chance to just fucking kill you with one shot i mean that's just understood like there's the worst the absolute worst people to try and rob but imagine surviving, like, imagine you let Marlene out, you engage in a fight, you all survive just barely, and then some mugger kills you. Or, uh, even worse, the mugger doesn't kill you, they just take your duffel bag full of unnatural uh, artifacts. Yeah, I think that if you steal shit as a, as a handler, if you want to steal shit from the players, you, you can't do it in a gunfight, because the players are just gonna armor up and get better weapons and, and make it impossible. You steal it from them like they're at the fucking airport baggage claim, and they, they're waiting there for 20 minutes after the, the last bag comes through and it's not there because someone just nicked it off the uh, luggage cart. Or, you know, the, the police come to investigate this mugging gone wrong and they are they impound everything as evidence. And now your players are like, well, do I show them that I'm an FBI agent? Uh, and if I do that, I have to officially be here and I'm not officially here. I'm supposed to be, you know, in the Bahamas right now. Or do I shut up about being an agent and let them take this stuff? And uh, if you twisted the paranoia knife uh, earlier and then inserted the... Uh, rival organization somewhere they're going to like you said jump at every shadow yeah just put some put some unhinged ramblings there like i you know i caught this guy passing by my house twice you know i think someone might be watching me something like that that's all you need okay so we talked about tacking on another scenario the most common one i've seen is metamorphosis but you could tack on a number of other shotgun scenarios what were some other solutions that we've had so far i think most of our ways seem like they're ways to make it more exciting and gunfighty but i think Melon had a good point early on. Just space out the interaction. Have a have the neighbor interaction be a little longer, more tense. Have uh, you know the interaction searching the cabin or talking to Marlene be more tense. You can spread those moments out, especially with new players. Make you can make it more interesting. One thing I like to do, and I do this every time, the bathroom in Clyde's apartment is described as being a mess. So I have a, a player who has like forensics or something like that, just kind of figure out exactly how it was that Clyde died. Uh, you know, there's going to be some blood from where he like split his head on the side of the bathtub, or uh, basically the way Clyde Bowman dies in every game of Last Things Last I've ever ran is he uh, he had a heart attack while he was pooping. Oh, the Elvis. And you know, uh, he stood up and he tried to grab the towel rack, and the towel rack fell, and then he knocked all the stuff off the sink, and then he went through the uh, glass shower partition, and that's why there's blood everywhere. But if the main or the regular police, like the real police, have already come and cleaned up the crime scene, it's hard for players to determine exactly what happened. So if you want to push that out even further, you could have them go pick up the death certificate, you know, what the coroner found, those sort of things. So obviously I started this discussion by talking about writing this for new players. What are some suggestions if 
And then yeah, I guess one suggestion is don't, but let's go past that. What are some suggestions for running this for experienced players? So they're all mythos savvy. They're all experienced Delta Greeners, but you just happen to want to run it. There must be a way to make this work and not be silly. So how can that happen? No, no, really, I, I can't think of a way. I really can't. So the solution is probably the double fake out. Oh, yes, uh, yes. Marlene really is actually just a normal person who has been given the power to survive in the septic tank. Or even has Or maybe, like Chief said, she's just she's just been in there for like three days. She's not actually Clyde's wife. He's delusional and thinks she is. She's just some random woman that he kidnapped. How do you convey this to the players if they won't open the tank? That's actually a good point, is that, is that if, if, if it is a double fake-out, then the result of the players is the same as if they had done the sensible thing and burned it to the ground. It's, it's just Schrodinger's monster at this point. Remember the bit in the book where it says that if you burn the monster, her screams last for a thousand years longer than after she ran out of oxygen? Yes. Just have the, you know, you just instantly suffocate with the gasoline fumes this innocent human being. Right, but I don't know that the players would draw a connection there unless they had also played Last Things Last previously and heard. The main problem with that as a fail state is that even knowing you've murdered an innocent is not really that bad for someone who's adapted to violence, and so it just provides more incentive to have that happen to your character. Hey, uh, what about a string in a cup or some other rudimentary system of communicating with Marlene that would be able to... Whenever, when I, when I hear like there's a small opening that you can here to speak someone speak through the first thing i think of is um this is a real thing but my first exposure to it was when i used to play a video game called swat 4 and it introduced me to the idea of a fiber optic cable that you can just poke through things to look around so it's not that difficult to just i mean i mean i don't know i don't know how common they are i think they should be part of the swat tools of the trade because it's something that makes sense for that person to have but that's a that's another great way to achieve what Chief was talking about without the kind of odd expedient of this guy having a security camera be in his septic tank for a period of literal years. Oh, uh, another suggestion I have is to just have some various like hand tools uh, hanging out in the shed where Clyde stores all those gasoline tanks. Also, I think the book describes them as like 21-gallon gasoline tanks. And honestly, like, who the fuck does that? Anyways, the whole point of me talking about the shed back there was that you could say he has some hand tools, and uh, if a player wanted to drill a hole into the septic tank to run a bini cam through or to funnel gasoline through, then that's that's a thing. Yeah, it comes with a, with a hole because that's how she's able to talk to you. And that's how you pour the gasoline in, yeah. Oh, I guess I had missed out... I, uh, you know what? I was I was too focused on the fact that there were twenty single gallon cans of gasoline, and I must have missed that part. So here, here's something to allu- to alleviate the gasoline problem. You could have it be like a big tank with like hundred gallons in it, but the only way to get over there is like with a slow si- uh, siphon or a hand pump. Yeah, the whole point of it is so that you have time. While one character is like, all right, burn this to the ground. Marlene has time to you know beg and barter for or, her life. Or you just get rid of the letter and the gasoline cans entirely. You just go with the assumption that Clyde never thought anyone would come out to his stupid death cabin with his stupid ghost wife in his stupid septic tank, and you say and said, this man really lived a very secretive life. He didn't want any majestic boys coming after him and learning that he could resurrect the dead, so he didn't write any of that shit down. And so, rather than going into it with a letter from the dead agent saying, use this gasoline on this monster, I've solved the puzzle for you already, have it be 
more of them going in blind. Yeah, I think with a more experienced team, you could uh, they would they would check the septic tank as soon as you drop a hint about the you know the pipe not going out there. Though I think it's the the Hale pipe is out, but it's not. Yeah, Hale has an outhouse. That's what it is. So here's something else you could do if you wanted to kind of meme on your agents or you wanted to throw up another roadblock for experienced agents is you could have them almost run into gas on the way there. So when they see the gas, they begin to fill their car up with it. Oh, they don't have enough to kill Marlene now. Now they got to like get it back out of the car into the one But there's the no there's thing. no like stats saying like it you know, why does he take? Why does it take all twenty gallon, gallons of gas? Well, to it's, kill uh, it does list uh, exact measurements. Surely you get by it, with it, nineteen. It, it, it lists measurements for the gasoline tank. Yeah, or you you could give them. You could just have one five gallon can, and they dump it into the Range Rover, and then all of a sudden they need that gas. Yeah, you would need, I guess, enough to cover the entirety of the water. Would you need to evaporate all the water in order? Because because this is a creature that doesn't die of smoke inhalation according to the rules, because it's able to continue shrieking when the chamber should be filled with fumes. So this is a case where it really is the fire damage that's killing it. So I guess you would need all the gas then, because you'd have to probably evaporate all the water in there with the, the heat in order to kill it. Actually, maybe maybe that's how it's dying. Maybe it's being super cooked, super cooked by the steam. So like, what if Marlene's already escaped the tank? So when the players get to the cabin, she's nearby and pissed off, and either has trapped someone else in the tank... Or we'll try to trap a player in the tank. Something along those lines. And then you already have to deal with this. I feel like how to trap a group of Delta Green agents in a septic tank is is an exercise itself for writing a scenario. I wonder if if experienced Delta Green agents would be easier to get with some sort of unknown knowledge. Because a Delta Green agent has been around the block a few times. One, they know the evil's out there. If he's previously gone up against like... If he's been to Carcosa and she can cure that from his mind or something, or if he's seen some sort of, if he's seen a Shoggoth before and she could be like, I can give you a, a, a surefire way to defeat these things. Like the agent's like, well, I know those are out there and that's bad. So you can maybe twist the knife that way because an agent, an agent who knows things are evil, like knows that there's also various levels of evil might be more keen to make that comparison. They may, they may not see things so binary as good and evil. It might be like, well, this, I do have a, like, Almost no sanity left in this character, and I do think he might make a bad decision. Uh, and I do want to forget Carcosa, so... Do you, though? Maybe. Do you want to forget Carcosa? Or is all you want to do go back there? No, that doesn't sound like anything to me. Hey, just want to let everybody know that we are going to be at Gen Con. At least myself, Will, and Chief will be doing a little live recording there, so keep your eye out for that. If you're going to be at Gen Con and want to say hello, we would love to meet you, hear about how you got on Delta Green, and the best way to get a hold of us probably going to be to tweet at 9mm retirement. It's number 9, Mike Mike Retirement. You can also give us a shout on the Night at the Opera Discord server. Otherwise, uh, find us at any one of our games. Hopefully some of you guys will be joining us. Looking forward to seeing everybody there. That's all we have for you this episode. In the description, you'll find links to our Night at the Opera and our Discord server, where you can talk about, run, and play Delta Green with us. See you next time.